Welcome to Behind the Beauty, the North Texas Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha Obeid. This is Season 1, Episode 8, and today we're talking about facial fillers. I am joined today by a very special guest, uh, Corey Nelson, who is a unbelievable nurse injector. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Corey, uh, first of all, you have to check out our Instagram, which is at Corey underscore aesthetic NP. Perfect. At Corey underscore aesthetic NP. Uh, Corey is a nurse practitioner who has been injecting for years. Uh, she is a trainer for the uh, Galderma uh, family of products. That means she actually travels around the country uh, teaching physicians, nurse injectors, etc., plastic surgeons, how to inject uh, Dysport, uh, Restylane, which is one of the fillers we'll be talking about today, and Sculptra, another fantastic filler that we'll be talking about today. Uh, Corey, you've been injecting with us here at North Texas Plastic Surgery now for uh, close to a year. We have seen some absolutely amazing results. And so I'll welcome Corey to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I know this is a topic very near and dear to your heart. Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> facial filler injection. Mm -hmm. uh, and I always get nervous when I'm in front of Corey because I want to make sure that uh, I get my time to figure out what I need injected. And we'll get to that in a little bit on the show. <laughs> uh, so, um, Corey, for those that are, uh, you know, or maybe novices to the facial injectable world, tell me a little bit about what a facial filler is, why someone might want it, et cetera. Okay. So facial fillers um, that we use like in the wrestling family would be like hyaluronic acid fillers. Okay. Hyaluronic acid um, is something that is naturally occurring in the body. It's usually in the skin, the joints. Um, and it has a, an affinity for water, which means mm -hmm. that it causes some plumping to that area. That's what we want when we are adding filler to the face because we want to slow down that aging process. So as we get older, our fat pads start to slide down in our mm -hmm. face and we want to bring everything back up to where it was, giving us a youthful look. So that's why we inject hyaluronic acid fillers. And I love that you mentioned that. Hyaluronic acid uh, or HA fillers, and, and these fillers have a lot of trade names, so that's the generic name, hyaluronic acid, uh, but the HA fillers uh, go by names that you probably have heard of, things like Restylane, Juvederm, Voluma, Volbella, mm -hmm. uh, et cetera, right. uh, and there are some other smaller ones, but those are the ones you'll hear most often in the aesthetic world. Uh HA fillers are actually naturally occurring compounds in the body. So for people who are what I would like to call the uninitiated to this field, uh, there's some concern that, oh, if I have filler injected, my face is going to be full of some sort of synthetic material. I'm going to be very plastic in appearance. But the reality is this is a naturally occurring compound in the body. You don't have to worry that your body is going to reject it or you're going to have some sort of weird allergic reaction to it. Um, it's really, really safe. 
And when done properly in the hands of someone like Corey, a true master injector, uh, then it can look very, very natural. Uh, and so uh, I think probably the best thing for our listeners today would be for us to kind of break down just from top to bottom some areas in the face that can benefit from filler. Mm -hmm. uh, and so... Uh, one of the ones that I think not a lot of people are familiar with, kind of starting at the top, is uh, temporal fillers. And so, Corey, tell me a little bit about why I might want, what is a temporal filler, why I might want it, et cetera. So temporal filler is, again, it's hyaluronic acid. We place it in the temporal region um, of the face. And the reason that that is done- Which is this hollow area right so, here that my glasses are covering up right through here. Correct. correct. Okay. So again, that is one of the areas that we do see aging. Mm -hmm. And so as this area gets hollow, we'll go in and just add just a, a little filler. So you don't want to overfill this area because you don't want any- additional projection so right. we'll put a little it adds volume to that area as well as giving you almost an eyebrow lift in that area yes because it is filling an area that has a deficit that has created some drooping in your brow so filling the temporal area is going to help greatly with anti-aging or so, aging gracefully there you go <laughs> <laughs> and so for those of you who are listening and not seeing the visuals that we're talking about what I want you to picture is your, uh, what I like to call tea and toast granny, who is really starting to lose that volume and they can almost see the skeletal structures. And if you look just to the side of the eyes, they get a sort of hollowness or sunken in appearance right there. Um, and that's obviously an extreme case, but for many women and men, mm -hmm. um, they can lose that fat right to the side of the eye uh, right in the hairline there, uh, very young, and it can cause them to look older than they are. This is an especially big problem for people who are very, very fit mm -hmm. because that is one of the first areas that we lose fat when we get really fit. Um, and so that makes a really big difference. Now, kind of dropping down just a little bit lower, the tear trough. What's a tear trough? Why do I want anything injected in there, et cetera? So your tear trough is the area below your eye, above mm -hmm. the cheek, where your fat pad has started to slide down, creating a hollowing between that area. Um, there are good candidates for that, and there are some not so great candidates for tear yes. trough filler. That is the most important thing as an injector to be able to recognize who's a good candidate for that filler. That's okay. one of the most difficult ones to inject, despite popular belief. <laughs> sure. Yes. So, um, so what makes someone a good or a bad candidate for that? So um, someone who's not a great candidate for under eye filler would be someone who has extreme puffiness under their eye. Mm -hmm. If I add something that is going to create a plumping, underneath the eye that is already puffy, they're just going to be more puffy. Right. So you're not going to want to do that. That would be someone that I would refer to you all. Yes. I'd rather them come and see one, one of our surgeons because I don't want to create something that is not going to be a desirable look for them. 
If you have a slight hollowing that can sometimes create a little shadow mm -hmm. underneath the eye, mm -hmm. I can add a little bit of hyaluronic acid to that area. That will help with the shadowing, which you no longer look discolored underneath mm -hmm. the eye, unless it's pigmentation, which mm -hmm. is another thing. It's a whole other thing. Yep. Right. Um, and it also is going to help with... Um, you having those lines, fine lines underneath your eye mm -hmm. that also contribute to aging. I talk to a lot of my female clients and I tell them all the time, the place that we age first is under our eye. Yes. Our, our under eyes and our neck show it a lot. Yes. So those are the areas that we have to make sure we don't neglect. I totally agree. Mm -hmm. So we do have some listeners who are uh, science nerds like myself. And for those of you that are interested in the real science behind the aging in the uh, orbital or, or uh, eye area, here's the deal. When you look at the anatomy, and if we start peeling the skin off of the lower eyelid, the way that we're built is we're built with skin on the lower eyelid, obviously, then a little layer of muscle, and then there is a layer of connective tissue we call fascia. And behind the fascia is fat. Now, the issue becomes that the that little connective tissue layer, that fascia, is actually anchored into the bone underneath your eye right here. And what can happen is different people genetically have different strengths to that layer of fascia. Some people have a very strong connection to the bone of the fascia, but above that connection, it's very weak. When it's weak, the fat that lives under the eye naturally pooches forward and causes a little bag. And so then what Corey's describing is we have to decide how bad is that bag? Because if that bag is just a little tiny bit, then if we put some filler just on the other side of that fascia, we can actually smooth it out and you never notice that little bag. However, if it's really severe and we have a lot of of fullness to that bag, then we actually want to intervene surgically to cut that fat out to smooth things out. Because as you mentioned, Corey, if we overfill that, then you just look really, really puffy. You right. take a you take a, a a lot of sagging underneath the eyes and make it worse. So that's actually very tricky. And there's also a lot to the artistry of where you inject it there. Can you tell me about yes. that? So um, when you're injecting filler in an area that does not have a lot of tissue that the filler can adhere to or integrate into, mm -hmm. then you want to make sure that you're pretty deep when you're injecting that filler. Mm -hmm. So when I'm injecting tear trough filler, I use a cannula, which is allowing me to lay that filler very flat and deep underneath that area that you just described. Mm -hmm. So that what we see when that area is filled is tissue rising versus HA filler underneath yes. the skin. Yes, and that's critical because if it's done too superficially, that HA filler can cause a little bit of discoloration underneath the skin. It can actually cause a little bit of a bluish hue Tindling. to the skin. Yes, mm -hmm. we call it Tyndall. Thank yes, you. Yes, 
um, that one's tricky. That's why I always, that is very that's tricky. A tricky filler um, to um, inject. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, and that's why seeing someone who's really slick at it, like Corey, is critical. Um, and there was other another quick thing that um, you mentioned that I wanted to point out, which is that there's a difference between shadowing there and discoloration. Mm -hmm. And so can you explore that a little bit for me? Because I think I personally have a little bit of both. So tell Mm -hmm. me about that. So when um, the discoloration is created because there's hollowing, Mm -hmm. then that's going to be um, improved when we inject filler because that hollowing is no longer there. It's created a shadow, which Mm -hmm. looks and appears to be discoloration. If there's actually discoloration to the skin, Mm -hmm. so the outer layer of the dermis that you're seeing, Mm -hmm. then that's going to be a pigmentation um, Mm -hmm. issue. I can add filler that will help with the hollowing, but that is not going to take care of that pigmentation. So there are other treatments that we offer to help with that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes a combination of treatments to help with the under eyes. Um, I am a big proponent for under eye cream. (laughs) So So what do you love under your eyes? So I like TNS under eye um, repair. The TNS serum? Yes. Okay. Under eye repair. The under eye repair because it has growth factors. Those growth factors are going to help with collagen regeneration and stimulation and that's going to help with pigmentation that's going to help with texture that's going to help slow down that aging process that we've already discussed Mm -hmm. there's also um some a service that we offer which is prf so it's platelet rich fibrin Mm -hmm. it is us drawing your blood spinning your blood down Mm -hmm. what's left over is plasma which is rich in platelets Mm -hmm growth factors. Mm -hmm. When we inject those, that's going to help with building collagen. Again, it's an inflammatory Mm -hmm. process. So it's going to help your body heal itself. Mm -hmm. And that also helps with the discoloration underneath the eyes. So a lot of times when I um, talk to my patients about under eye treatments, it's more than just us talking about filler. It's them protecting their investment. So we can do a little filler. We may have to add a little bit of PRF. But under mm-hmm. eye cream is a non-negotiable. <laughs> and any it. of my patients may know I that. I love it. Yes. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we've talked about it on previous episodes of the podcast, but the PRF or PRP mm-hmm. is a, um, it's a miracle worker. You know, so many of our, our male uh, patients are used to hearing about PRP being injected into knees, shoulders, et cetera, of all of the professional athletes to help them recover from injury and surgery. We, we use the same thing um, in our hair uh, and in scalp treatments to help with uh, hair growth. And then also, like you said, rejuvenating the under eye area. Mm-hmm. It really is a miracle drug. And the best part about it, it's not actually a drug. It's, it's you just purified and, and re-injected, right. uh, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, after we, after we go, after we fill in my tear troughs, we got to talk about my cheekbones. So tell me a little bit about, that's, that's probably the thing that obviously people think about most. I think most of our listeners, when we talk about filler, they think about cheekbones and lips, right? Mm-hmm. So tell me about the cheekbones. Who do you inject? What do you inject and why? Okay. So with cheeks, I probably do it opposite, even though it's, we're going down that way. I okay. would say cheeks first before tear troughs. Sure. Because a lot of times yes. when you inject the lateral cheek, mm-hmm. it gives you enough support to give you 
under eye support and you don't want to feel the under eye if you don't have to. So if you can get, provide support in the lateral cheek and mid face mm -hmm. and give yourself enough under eye support, tear trough filler isn't even necessary, right? Mm -hmm. So cheek filler, I um, use more of a dense filler in mm -hmm. the cheek because I want to mimic that cheekbone. Okay. And that mid face area. So I So would, what is an ideal look when you're looking at someone, mm -hmm. how do you decide they need cheek filler, they don't need cheek filler, and why? So someone who um has lost that contour in their cheek. Okay. Females specifically the contour, males mm -hmm. more so I would say mid face. Mm -hmm. But they've lost that contour along the cheek. They've created almost a little jowl below mm -hmm. and they have um a little separation in their cheek. I always, in deeper nasal labial folds, mm -hmm. if I give them a little bit of cheek filler, that's going to help support all of those areas that I just mentioned, mm -hmm. including the jawline. Mm -hmm. It's going to provide more structure to the face. Mm -hmm. um, ideally for a female, we would want her to have the higher lateral cheek. Okay. On a male, it's a little bit lower. Okay. Um, mid face, I am um, a little reserved in the mid face because you don't want to overfill the mid face no. and then they feel like they have that pillow face that yes. is going around on social yes. media. So lateral first to give just a little bit of contour uh -huh. and then add in some to the mid face to help support those nasal labial folds, that under eye, helping with the jowl area and giving a little bit of lift to the um, jawline. So working your way down is going to help with you using less filler in the lower face. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you know, I think so many of our female listeners um, don't realize it, but they're already trying to accentuate their cheekbones with their makeup, right? Mm -hmm. We see so many of these makeup tutorials on TikTok, et cetera, uh, where, you know, we're using um, lighter makeup over our um, cheekbones and then a little bit of darker makeup below to make it look like a shadow, Correct. right? So that mm -hmm. we look like we have these really big, pretty cheekbones. Um, we can actually do that without makeup yes. uh, with this filler to really enhance that area because the ideal, air quotes ideal, uh, aesthetic look is for us to have that really strong, full cheekbone and then a hollowness below. Correct. And so if you're someone like me, who's not necessarily born with that, and we have sort of a more round face, emphasizing that cheekbone with filler can really help. Yes. And then with aging, do you feel like people are losing volume up there? Yes, they do lose volume there. So as those fat pads begin to slide down, mm -hmm. there is nothing left in the mid face mm -hmm. that creates that jowl that I was discussing. Right. And right. so as you're losing that volume in your cheek, we just want to give you that back to create mm -hmm. more of a youthful look Gotcha. in the cheek area. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it also creates a slimming to the face it as does. well. Mm -hmm. Yes. A it, lot of people get very nervous when you say, I think we should add some cheek filler. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to show them in the mirror. I am not um, 
going to overfill. I'm just going to create a little bit of a lift so that you look more um, defined. and Right. The goal is not to look puffy or round, Mm -hmm. but the goal is to create those lights and shadows that we find so interesting to look at and so attractive to look at. Right. And and so, yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, after we take care of the cheeks, or now that we've done talking about the cheeks, or cheekbones, excuse me, um, there's a an area that's also very common to treat with filler called the nasolabial folds in, in plastic surgery. But in sort of uh, layperson speak, it's the creases that run basically from the bottom of your nose to the corner of your mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as we all get older, we start to notice that those creases tend to deepen. Uh, so what do you do there to fix that? So that would be hyaluronic acid as mm-hmm. well. However, the same way that I said, I'd be a little conservative with the under eyes. Mm-hmm. Those are the two places that I tell my patients under eyes and nasal labial folds okay. are areas that I tend to be a little more conservative because there is going to be a natural hollowing in that area. Nothing excessive, yes. but you still want to have a little bit of an indentation there because if we completely fill that area, uh-huh. there is no longer a contour or separation between where your cheek ends and the side of your nose begins. Yes. Being completely flat in that area um, will give the cat woman appearance. So there's a name <laughs> for everything. So you okay. don't want yes. to overfill that area either. I have a lot of um, my patients laughing. I'll say like, have you ever seen um, How the Grinch Stole Christmas with the Who? Oh, yes. If you overfill yes. that area, you will look like Cindy Lou Who. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we don't want to right. do that. So I do um, a little bit of filler in that area. Um, the piriform fossa, mm-hmm. which is the deepest area of the nasal labial fold mm-hmm. at the very top next to the nose, I'll go in and put a bolus of filler in that area. Mm-hmm. So a collection of filler because I do want that area to raise, that area, raise yeah. a little. And then again, cannula is one of the safest ways to inject filler. So I take a cannula and I just go along that fold just to give enough of a lift to where it's not as deep as it had been before. Mm-hmm. And that's, and I think you, you raised something uh, that I, I do want to touch on, which is the use of a cannula as opposed to a needle to inject the filler in certain locations. So for our patients that are unfamiliar with this, um, years ago, when we first started injecting fillers, um, everything was done with a needle and, um, beyond just the scary thought of having a needle, um, being poked into you, um, there's some real safety aspects to that because the problem is that that sharp needle can poke things that we don't want it to poke, which then can cause the fluid to go places we don't want it to go. Um, now... Um, from a safety perspective, that we have a new technique, which is cannula injection. Uh, and so tell us a little bit about what a cannula is versus a needle and, and how that works. So a cannula is a hollowed needle that has a rounded point. So the way that I describe it to my patients is a, like a ballpoint pen. Mm-hmm. It has a rounded tip and there's a hollowing that holds the filler or houses the filler. It allows the filler to be placed in a linear fashion where it's going to be flat and smooth mm-hmm. versus it creating a dome or projection. Mm-hmm. And so um, 
when it, we inject it, we do have to use a needle to create an insertion to make the hole. point. Yeah, right. And then you go in with the cannula and you can get through the tissue as long as you're in the correct plane. You can glide through the tissue very easily and lay that filler where it needs to go. In some areas where there is a lot of um, fibrous tissue, which we'll talk about mm -hmm. in just a little bit, cannula is great there because you can create a subsizing motion that mm -hmm. is going to make space for you to lay that filler smoothly versus Versus it trying to be placed in a, an area where all those fibers are just so tightly bound in your fillers, not creating any type of filling. It's just kind of dispersing all over the place because those bands are keeping it from laying smoothly. Mm -hmm. So um, there's less bruising when we use cannulas. Less bruising. Yes. Yes. Like you said, um, like you mentioned, we don't, our filler is not going to go in places that we don't want it to mm -hmm. go. I personally, you know, after having injected both ways, because mm -hmm. I learned injecting with needle only. Sure. And that's all I, that's all I was trained on. Yeah. And so even just looking at my results from when I used to just use mm -hmm. needle versus using cannula now, I feel like my patients look, um, I don't want to say more natural, but they look like themselves. They look refreshed. Mm -hmm. They don't appear to have been injected with mm -hmm. filler. So the cannula just creates a seamless um, look. And um, I guess I will have to just say natural look to them that they are rejuvenated versus they've mm -hmm. been just filled. So I love it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's rare that you get this trifecta, but you really get a, a, a trifecta of, effect of one, um, it being safer, and that's most important. Two, a more natural look. Mm -hmm. And three, less bleeding and bruising with that cannula. And so it's critical as, as our listeners are uh, evaluating who's going to do their injections that they are being, that they are with someone that is familiar with cannula techniques as opposed to needle techniques that offers it to them, explains why they'll do it in certain locations or why they may not, uh, and really has that advanced level of knowledge and training. Um, but back to the different areas that we can treat, mm -hmm. uh, probably the one that everyone is most familiar with has got to be the lips, right? Yes. So uh, <laughs> tell me a little bit about what you're looking at when someone comes uh, for lip injections. So the first thing that I will um, look at with a patient who is asking for lips um, is how do their lips compare in proportion to the rest of their face? Okay. Because it's very important that we keep the face balanced. So mm -hmm. um, patients who've lost volume in their lips um, and, or even not even just lost volume. Some patients don't ever have that amount of volume that would be proportionate to the rest of their face and their lips. So, um, smaller lips, loss of volume, um, are the biggest ones for lip filler. I'm very big on shape first, volume later. Yes. So I, when I'm doing filler on lips, I will create their shape first. They may not get the volume that they want that first time. We're making sure that we get the shape of the lip that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. To an extent. I can't completely change it, but sure. I can enhance it. Um, and then maybe three months down the road, we can add a little bit more volume to get them where they want to be volume-wise. But shape is most important. Yeah, I think not only is everyone familiar with lip injections uh, above all else from a, a filler perspective, 
I think that's also the area where we've all, all seen the worst results. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Because uh, as you mentioned, it's shape, 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 then volume. And what happens, unfortunately, is there are many inexperienced injectors who really just sell you on the volume, 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 and then you get the duck lips, the mm -hmm. sausage lips, um, et cetera. And we want beautiful, natural, kissable lips, right? right? Correct. Um, and so I think that that's critical. One thing you did mention is you said, you know, there's to an extent when we talked about changing the shape. Are there groups of people that you think are not great candidates for lip filler? Um, Not necessarily. Okay. I don't think that anyone's going to be, that they're not a great candidate. It's just about the amount of filler that we're adding okay. and making sure you choose the most appropriate filler for them. There's so many different types of filler out there. Um, and the lips are the mm -hmm. ones that are kind of universal that can take most of those fillers. Mm -hmm. And so just making sure that when you speak to your patient, you're asking them, what is it that we're going to enhance on your lips? Mm -hmm. And then collectively, we come together with what would be the best option for them. The right plan for it. Yes. Um, there are patients who have a stronger um, obicularis oris muscle. Mm -hmm. And so for those patients, sometimes I can create um, that eversion of the lip with lip filler. Okay. Sometimes I can't. So then we have to go in with just a little bit of Botox in that muscle to create an eversion. So that now tell me about that. Now, hang on. So I, I, you're talking my love language. You start talking anatomy. <laughs> so orbicularis oris, what is that? What does it do? And then why would I treat with Botox? Go ahead. Okay. So that is the muscle that is, um, circumferencing the lips. So okay. it is the muscle that you use to pucker, to drink through a straw, yes. to whistle, um, yes. all of those motions that are creating a pursing um, yes. motion. A lot of times the orbicularis oris muscle can be very strong, mm -hmm. which creates an inversion of the lip because okay. it is um, very strong. If we put just a little bit of Botox along that muscle above the lip, we can create an eversion, which is going to give more, show so more surface essentially area. rolling the lip out. So when we yes. talk about inversion versus eversion, inversion, you, what you're saying is that when that muscle is really strong, it pulls so tight that the lip rolls in. Yes. So there's not much red showing right but then if you botox that muscle right above the lip then the muscle um, is weakened which then relaxes the lip which then can allow more of the red to show more of a pout right so you see more surface area of the lip which on some patients it will appear that they have a larger lip because you can see more yes. of the lip yes um so a lot of times i will start with filling the lip first because it's going to create the eversion, but they haven't gotten a, more volume mm -hmm. and the shape is still a little bit different because the Cupid's bow is a part of the lip that everyone wants to, most people want to accentuate. So mm -hmm. I'll do a little bit of lip filler and I'll see them back in about a week to see if that muscle is still as strong as it was before mm -hmm. and the lip has started to curl under. Mm -hmm. You can do both at the same time, but if it's not necessary, I'm not going to do it. So I'll just <laughs> have gotcha. them come back and we take a look.
Yeah, I mm-hmm. love it. And and again, for those of you that are uh, listening in, you're saying, what's a Cupid's bow? If you look at your lips in the mirror tonight, um, what you'll see is that the lip is not straight across, even though it isn't these some terribly injected patients out there. Mm-hmm. It should go up and then down and then up and then down, much like a bow and arrow would. And then we call it Cupid's bow, obviously after uh, Cupid, because the lips are a significant area of love interest for many of us. (laughs) Um, So as we kind of drop down below the lips, uh, one of the areas that I think not a lot of people are familiar with is jawline filler. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you it's made a huge difference in me personally, but I'd love to hear from you what your thoughts are on jaw filler. So um, jawline filler, it is also going to be a contouring or um, slimming mm-hmm. treatment to the face. Um, when I do jawline filler on a female, I'm creating more of a rounded definition versus a square Um, because we want to keep their proportions a little wider in the cheek, a little bit more narrow in the jawline. Mm -hmm. For a male, it's more of that 90 degree angle. So Mm -hmm. I'm creating the same width in the jawline that I have in their cheeks for a more masculinized look. Um, I would say with my male population, jawline is probably one of the most popular fillers that I do. Um, I love it. Yes. And so you're going to want to use a filler that's dense. So mimics bone Mm -hmm. with a very high um, G prime. So that just means that it is more dense. Um, And that reason is, like I said, we want to mimic bone in that area. We want something that's going to be able to hold up. Mm -hmm. Um, I probably do about the same amount of jawline filler in females that I do in males. However, males pick that one first. But for a female, sometimes at the very end, like the Hershey's kiss, <laughs> we do just a tiny bit on that gonial angle back there yes. so that it gives them a little bit more definition in the posterior which, portion of their face. Which for the uninitiated, the gonial angle is going to be the angle at the very back of the jaw where the jaw goes from basically straight across and then turns back up towards the ear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so uh, what I can tell our listeners is that augmenting my jawline personally has uh, not only given me, uh, I like to think a more stronger and masculine appearance, but it's also actually helped my neck uh, look slimmer, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Because it really distracts from that little bit of fullness that you can get underneath uh, your jaw as we age. Uh, one of the things that I think really is a sign of youth is a really nice, strong jawline. And as you mentioned, we shape it a little bit differently or Corey shapes it a little bit differently between men and women, uh, men emphasizing more that strong angle there. And then women creating a little bit more of a slope through Mm -hmm. there. Yes. And, um, like you said, just slimming the submental area as well as, again, I keep going back to the jowls, Mm -hmm. but it will help with that buckle area that everyone wants to get removed. If it's just very slight, we can help with that by just putting a little bit of filler in the jawline Mm -hmm. to kind of pull it back just a little bit, Mm -hmm. almost creating a diversion away from that area. I love it. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, 
probably the last thing we probably should talk about in the face when we talk about facial filler is the chin. Mm -hmm. So uh, how often are you injecting the chin and, and why? So chin filler is, again, creating a shape and contour, balancing the profile in um, face. Um, what I would use in the chin is very similar to what I use in the jawline. I want something that's going to be dense, but I don't want it to be necessarily mimicking the bone. I just want it to be a dense filler because mm -hmm. I want it to withhold and be able to create projection. Mm -hmm. um, the frequency of injections, usually chin filler will give you about a year to 18 months. Some people okay. can get a couple of years. Um, the most important thing to me personally when I'm injecting my patients with chin filler is making sure that I also inject those shadows. Because okay. if you only inject the central portion of the chin, you can create almost that marionette puppet look because yes. they still have a shadow yes. here. So I like to go in with the cannula. And mm -hmm. that's what I was discussing before where the fibers are so tight. That is a very fibrous area mm -hmm. where those shadows are created. And so with my cannula, I'm going in and subsizing that area before I lay that filler so that my filler lays smoothly and integrates well into the tissue because when you talk I don't want you to be able to see that filler I want it yes. to integrate well yes. so I need to create that space or separation for my filler to lay I love it and so I, I think you you raised a, a point which I probably um, oversimplified earlier and I want to circle back to it when we talk about working in that chin area there's really two different problems that people come in for, right? Mm -hmm. One is we want to augment the chin uh, to give a more balanced profile. In other words, some people have a little bit of a, a weaker chin and then uh, that creates a less beautiful profile, uh, whereas a stronger chin uh, can, can really be attractive on the profile and can really balance the nose and the forehead, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a second aspect to the chin, which is just to the side of the central chin. Some of us have some tendency to create wrinkles or folds there. What we call the mental folds. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're talking about you're injecting with the cannula. So you want to talk about that just a little bit? Yes. So I um, go in and this again is going to be depending on the filler that I choose. If it's a very dense filler that I'm just finishing off the chin with, then I'm going to inject it pretty deep because I don't want to see that um, dense filler close to the tissue, to the skin. Mm -hmm. um, if it's something a little softer, like I'm finishing off some, a lip and I have a little filler left over, then I'll go in with something a little more superficial that's going to mm -hmm. integrate really well into the tissue and create more um, animation and move with the patients, you know, as they speak and those things. So it doesn't look like they've been augmented. Um, but I will take the cannula and again, subsize that area, which is creating a separation for my filler to lay and um, just soften the area. I'm not, I'm never, one thing I always tell patients is I'm never going to chase a line or a fold. I am just softening that area. As that filler begins to integrate, it'll get softer and softer and softer. It just takes time. Mm -hmm. It took a while for us to create those lines. Yes. So it takes a little <laughs> while for us to get rid of them. Yes. So I just like to make sure I manage their expectations and know that it will get softer versus just, you know, promising that it's going to completely go away because mm -hmm. we do, you know, it takes time. Sometimes we have to have a year or so. Yeah. And, and ultimately at the end of the day, right. I think you touched on this earlier. The 
wrinkleless, expressionless face um, isn't pretty, isn't natural, isn't beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. We want to have a little bit um, to show our human side so we don't look like Cindy Lou. I love that <laughs> analogy. Cindy Lou who, excuse me. Uh, and... Um, uh, you know, but we do want to, we do want to grow old gracefully. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think facial filler is a fantastic way to do that. And one of the great things about facial filler is that it's a, it's a easy thing to do. Um, I mean, it's a procedure that you schedule an appointment with Corey for, um, go to work afterwards. I don't even have to take the day off. Right. Mm -hmm. Correct. Uh, you know, at worst, you might have a little tiny bit of bruising and swelling for, you know, a day or two, but that's really it. Mm -hmm. um, for our listeners, Corey, if they've got a big event coming up, when do they want to time out this facial filler? I'd prefer that they come in a couple of weeks before to okay. a month before, okay. just because we want to make sure that we've given it time to heal. And if there are any little subtle corrections that we want to do, mm -hmm. we have the time to do it before their event. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. Well, I know you and I can talk about fillers for hours, Yes. Uh, but I know our listeners have a lot of other things that they got to get to in their lives. So I'm going to go ahead and sign off at this point and tell everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, thank you, Corey, for taking time out of your busy schedule uh, to talk fillers with us. Yes. Um, if you guys are not following Corey on Instagram, you have to. Corey, give me the Instagram again. It's Corey, K-O-R-I underscore aesthetic NP. So Corey, K-O-R-I underscore aesthetic NP. You are going to see some unbelievable uh, filler transformations as well as some Botox and some other fantastic things. And I'm going to tell you some of the prettiest lips you will ever see are on that Instagram page. Thank so you. please, please <laughs> check it out. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Uh, and if you love our podcast, uh, like, link, subscribe uh, to Behind the Beauty, a North Texas Plastic Surgery podcast. Thank you. <laughs>